Hello again and welcome to the show. Tonight we continue to look at some famous deaths. Tonight we start with the wonderful death of Genghis Khan, conqueror of India. Take it away, Genghis. that's 28.1 for Genghis Khan. Bad luck, Genghis. Nice to have you on the show. Salad episode 47. Hail the victorious dead. Hail. I'm Andy. And I'm Mike. And today we're taking a bit of a somber note. We're going to be talking about um, some of the pop culture icons who have left us in the past 10 to 15 years. Right. Doesn't mean we're not going to have our trademark sense of witty humor. Oh my god, we'll probably go to hell for this episode. Probably, but... We'll be meeting a whole lot of friends down there. Yes, exactly. Exactly. If it's anything like South Park Hell, everybody goes there. <laughs> except the Mormons. Except, yeah, exactly. Except for the Mormons. <laughs> so um, let's just let's just kick into this because we actually have quite a bit to talk about today. We're also kind of um, really heavy on the rear end of the show as well with a lot of the segment stuff. Yeah, we got some shows that we really want to go into. We're going to spend some time on those. So let's just get into the subject at hand. I haven't said that in forever. Thank goodness. Yeah, I know. Okay. Let's actually go to uh, some of our listener feedback. Uh, when we put out the call to our faithful um, Facebook viewers, listeners, uh, we want to hear what they have to say about this week's topic. So go ahead, Mike. They're both from you. All right. First, um, well, Alyssa and Sean had a little argument saying that, um, oh, who did I mention? Leslie Nielsen, that um, his big role airplane was mm-hmm. not in the last 10, 15 years, but Sean brought it back. That yes, but he died in the last ten to fifteen years. That is true. That is true. We're actually going to get into Leslie Nielsen uh, in better detail a little while later. But there is one she did mention, which again, yes. not within the last uh, fifteen years or so, but I think still notable. Yeah, she brought up Peter Sellers. Exactly. Now I'm actually reading a book uh, called Mister Strange Love about Peter Sellers right now. Really? Very yeah. Nice. Um, it, he's just been a, 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 an actor I'm not really all that familiar with. I'm familiar with some of his work. I'm mainly familiar with him as um, Inspector Clouseau. <laughs> Clouseau. Does your dear go bad? Oh. I thought you said your dad did not bite. That is not my talk. Um, but he's a fantastic role. Well, there's some great stuff that he's done. Uh, he was in Lolita. He was in um, Doctor Strangelove, or oh, How yes. I Stopped Lo- Worrying <laughs> and, le- and Learned to Love the Bomb. As three separate roles. Yes, um, excellent roles, including there's this fantastic um, discussion he's having with the Russian president. <laughs> oh it's, yes, it's awesome. It's awesome. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking. I'm really enjoying the book so far. Not the greatest guy in the world, apparently. Really? Oh, he was. He, uh, 
just fists of flying in the uh, seller's household. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Um, another movie of his that I really loved was Being There, which I haven't watched in forever. Netflix On Demand doesn't have any of his stuff streaming yet. Being There. I don't recall that one. He plays um, Chauncey Gardner, who's an idiot who happens into the highest echelons of uh, the pre- the presidential cabinet okay. as a trusted advisor. Ah, gotcha. All because the um, the guy whose house he's living in, his his boozy wife ran him over with a car. <laughs> so, yeah, you um, know. yes, check that one out. Uh, who else, what else you got? All right, and Nicole brought up Peter Falk. Yep, which um, just died last week. Yep. Um, let's go into that a little bit while we're... We'll kind of dissect this so we don't have to go back into it later All on. Right. Um, yeah, Peter Fox's biggest nerd role was uh, be the grandfather in The Princess Bride. Yeah, great role, though. Yeah, it was a great role. Sports in it. Are you kidding? Fencing, fighting, torture, revenge, giants, monsters, chases, escapes, true love, miracles. Doesn't sound too bad. And to a lot of people who didn't know who Peter Falk was, all you had to say was, oh, grandfather and the Princess Bride. Right. Or Columbo. Yeah, yeah, but Columbo's kind of lost to our generation. Yeah, I mean, it went from like 1969 to, 19, to 2003, actually. Well, but yeah, but those are the countless TV movies. Yeah, the actual series only ran from like, uh, I think, 71 to 76 or so. Something like that, yeah. 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 So anyway, who else uh, does Nicole have? Jerry Orbach. Oh, I love Jerry Orbach. I love Jerry Orbach. Uh, we were just talking to Autumn about that. She was like, she actually felt personal loss when he died. Yeah, because he's, he's Jerry freaking Orbach. I have seen almost every episode of Law & Order he was uh, Lenny Briscoe in. I've never seen Law & Order, but I <clears throat> I know him. Oh, I know him. awesome. Always there with the one-liners. Uh, great. Just a stoic presence on the show. He came yeah. in, I think, the second season and went like... I'll say like 13 seasons. He retired, oh, yeah. and then he died. And they always give Jerry Orbach one of those god-awful lines, right? Like one of those puns, like there's Jerry Orbach standing on the tennis court, looks down at the dead body and goes, hmm, looks like the score was in love all. Should have kept going. I know, I know. What else was he in? He was in, um, well, he was. He put Baby in the corner. Oh, yes. In uh, Dirty Dancing. I think, wasn't he also the voice of Lumiere? He was in Beauty and the Beast. Yes, which he was. You, you really have to kind of like... Put your ear against the TV to listen to that, to actually recognize that that's him. Yeah. Uh, he actually had a very rich Broadway career. I'm not surprised. He was the original Billy Flynn in Chicago. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, he was also in the original cast of The Fantastics. I don't know that one. Uh, longest running musical in off-Broadway history. Okay. I guy was multi-talented. Oh, he and was. I, I missed him a lot he, when he died. Yeah, he's a great loss. All right, next... George Carlin. I loved George Carlin up until about the 90s. How about you? Well, yeah, because, I mean, well, yes, because 89 was uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure okay. as Rufus. <laughs> that was my favorite role of his. And why the hell anybody showed up for that sequel? <laughs> yeah, I feel bad for him for the sequel. Yeah, I mean, there's just something about Carlin in the, the, the 70s and 80s where he was just... He wasn't as cantankerous as he was in the 90s. No, he was just more of a, I'm going to see whatever the hell I want, and I don't care if you can Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, the seven dirty words. Yep. Seven words you can't say on television. Um, he was the first host of Saturday Night Live. Yes, he was. Uh, he also, I, I remember, that was the first comedy show I ever saw on HBO. It was Carlin at Carnegie. Oh. 
which I think was um, recorded in 1981. Yeah. And he was excellent. I mean, the, the later on that he went, the last ten years of his life, there was an awful lot of just, you know what else I hate? Yeah, he's just kind of kind of reaching a little bit. Essentially, he's Andy Rooney uh, with a... <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's Andy Rooney uh, who just uses the word fuck a lot. <laughs> you know what I don't get? Never mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What about mushrooms? <laughs> <laughs> I could go for some. Yep. Yeah. And uh, finally, Nicole brings up Richard Harris. Yes, original Dumbledore. Yeah. He also played King Arthur in Camelot. That was all I could think of. For and he, him. famous British drunk. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he was big time drunk, yeah. When he died, I remember when he died because, you know, there's that indignation from theater people that is like, oh, they're just saying Dumbledore died. He was he, King Arthur, for God's sakes. He was in Camelot. Okay, yeah, that's great. When he died, the first thing I thought wasn't, oh, man, that's sad, but more of a, uh, oh, man, I hope they get Peter O'Toole to replace him. <laughs> Let's replace one drunken British actor with another as Dumbledore. That will be awesome. Peter O'Toole, I've always seen as a more drunken actor. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, but uh, Richard Burton, no, I'm thinking Richard Burton now. Yeah, Richard Harris, I don't think, did any of those British things I'm confusing Richard Burton for. Richard Burton was another famous British drunk. Oh, yeah. Oh, they, they must have all, like, palled around and double-teamed escorts and <laughs> ladies of the evening in their heyday. I, I just always think of that um, that clip from uh, MST3K yeah. where, they, where they're doing uh, Richard Burton from uh, Gamera vs. Uh, oh, yeah. Gauss. <laughs> I wonder what the king is drinking tonight. I wonder if the king will get stinking Okay, tonight. Crow. That's I, I was totally off script. Did you? Right. Could you tell? I was way. <laughs> I just imagine, you know, 1968, the, the the Bowery of London, just having all three of them hanging off each other, just <laughs> soused out of their minds. With, I say, dear lad, let's go double penetrate a prostitute. <laughs> and the uh, bartender just like, wonder who's going to pay for the cab this year. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, let's let's move on before yes. we, we get too too disrespectful here. Is right. that it from uh, Nicole? It from Nicole. All yes. right. Well, we do have uh, as our our new weekly segment, Chris's Cultural Corner, otherwise known as KKK. That's not good. All right. Hey, Andy and Mike. Here's a list of celebrities that have passed on that I miss. Number one, John Hughes. For mm-hmm. many of us Gen Xers who grew up in the '80s, John Hughes's movies were part of your memories. There was, just to name a few, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Weird Science, National Lampoon's Vacation, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Home Alone, and of course, the Brat Pack movies, Sixteen Candles, The Breakfast Club, and Pretty in Pink. All of Hughes' movies either had memorable characters, quotable lines, or both. I mean, does anyone not know who Abe Froman is? Gone, but definitely not forgotten. They also all have Anthony Michael Hall in them. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think John Hughes was definitely a voice of a generation. I was not the world's biggest John Hughes fan, though. Me neither. Out of the movies that, that Chris listed here, and he, he did a great job listing these things off. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I love. National Lampoon's Vacation, I love. Plane Trains and Automobiles, I love. Dell. Oh. Oh. Why did you kiss my ear? Why are you holding my hand? Where's your other hand? Between two pillows. Those aren't pillows. Um, Sixteen Candles, I love. 
Ugh. And then you go from there. You got Weird Science, which I cannot stand. I, I love really, Weird Science. I really, with the white hot passions of a thousand suns, hate Weird Science. Oh, I, I can't get enough of Weird Science. Um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I love classic. Ferris. I love Ferris Bueller's oh, Day yeah. Off. Classic. We were actually just talking about that the other day. Oh, because uh, they're work. because they're going to remake um, War Games. No, no, we were just talking about because it was the 25th anniversary. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was actually this great thing on Crack.com on their photoplasty last week, I think it was, movie posters uh, of minor characters or peripheral characters from other movies. Okay. And it was just, like, Kathy Daly's day of school. Not all of us <laughs> can skip, like, that jerk Ferris Bueller. Um... Let's see what else is on here. Home Alone. I, I, I think I've said my opinion of Home Alone. John Hughes directed Home Alone? He didn't direct it. He produced it. Oh, okay. This is, John Hughes was a lot like Spielberg, where a lot of the stuff on this list was not stuff he directed. Uh, he didn't direct uh, Vacation. He didn't direct Home Alone. Um, Pretty and Pink he didn't direct either. Really? He did not. No, that was Howard Deutsch. Okay. <laughs> I know, exactly. I, I shame myself that I know that. If, if you were named Deutsch, I'd want to have John Hughes direct you as exactly. well. Um, and then we, we had an episode a couple months ago about The Breakfast Club. Yes, we yeah, did. Yeah, overrated. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but John Hughes, I, I was a little saddened. It was... It was, it more, was I think, more shocking than it was sad. It really was. Especially because he yeah. hadn't done a movie in close to 20 years. Yeah, that's pretty much it, because, I mean, you know, you, you think about him, you think of the 80s. Yeah, exactly. That's it, you know? Yeah. Um, moving on, number two, Douglas Adams. Very, very good point. Thank I am ashamed that we didn't remember this one either. Yeah. He wrote one of the best sci- humor sci-fi series of our time, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Along with the five books Adams made, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was also made into a radio series, BBC TV miniseries, audiobooks, tapes and CDs, uh, movie and text adventure computer game. <laughs> I I played that. Yeah, I love it. I know. I just I love text adventure games because it's just like, what do you want to do next? Uh, drop drawers. There you go. <laughs> that was one of the hardest games ever <laughs> made, though. Oh. Chris also states, I keep going back to the series because it's a great read and has very memorable characters, from Arthur to Ford to Zaphod to Marvin to Trillian to the guide itself. So sit down, have a pan galactic. Gargle Blaster and Reed Douglas Adams Hitchhiker Guide series. I will also put on that he also made a really great one with the Long Dark Teak Time of the Soul and um, Dirk Gently's Holistic uh, Detective Agency. Okay. Which actually, I think the BBC is making into a miniseries. Oh, that's cool. Um, I actually was kind of a latecomer to Douglas Adams because Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is one of those books that I... The first time I picked it up, I was about uh, 12 years old in junior high. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'll try reading this. This book makes no sense. I'm going to put it down. Mm-hmm. And every four or five years, up until about seven years ago, the same thing. Pick mm-hmm. it up. Read a couple pages. This is goofy. Put it down. Right. It actually took the movie for me to read the book. And I read the book before I saw the movie. So, Good. Good. But uh, I actually, the book, the, the, the copy of Hitchhiker's Guide that I own mm-hmm. has the movie poster because of the paperback time right, of the yeah. movie. Uh, I finally enjoyed it. I, Good. I don't know if it's just that I had to relax my mind a little bit. I don't read a lot of fiction either, and I never really have. And for me to not get this... The, the ironic part of me not getting this is the fact that I've read er, almost every book in the Dune series. 
I know. Just 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 suck on that for a second because <laughs> to be honest, I didn't read the, I was kind of a latecomer to Dune, but I've been reading Hitchhiker's Guide since oh, ages. In fact, um we we used to get out um get from the library the uh audio cassette for mm-hmm. of their of the uh, the radio show. Yeah. And my older brother and I had that thing memorized. I could oh. actually I could probably still quote because uh, I always did uh, I think I did uh, Forge lines and he did Arthur's lines yep and I could probably still quote a number of those Mr. Dent the plans have been available in the planning office for the last nine months yes I went round to find them yesterday afternoon you hadn't exactly gone out of your way to call much attention to them had you I mean like actually telling anybody or anything the plans were on display I eventually had to go down to the cellar that's the display department with a torch the lights had probably gone. So had the stairs. Well, you found the notice, didn't you? Yes. It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the Leopard. Oh, cool. Now, what did you think of the movie? Um, it was an Americanized version of it. Yeah. It, it had its moments, but there was a lot of stuff that didn't need to be there. I understand that, and I, you know, again, this was me coming in as a latecomer, not someone who grew up with the entire series. I didn't mind it that much. Mention it to Alyssa, though, and she will tell you a new one. Exactly. She that one. Oh, man. But here's the thing that, that got me into the movie originally. Okay. First of all, Stephen Fry yeah. was the voice of the guide. Yeah, great, great not, casting. How man. can you not love that? The only the only better casting would have been the original voice of the of the book. Yeah, he died. So. Oh, okay. Well, then there you go. He died more than ten, fifteen years ago. And then um, the opening up the the entire thing was "So Long and Thanks for All the Fish." That's that, a brilliant musical. Number. I would love that song. That, that was, was being, a good song. That was great. Um, but again, I understand the people that didn't like it. Yeah. But hey, you know, something a, a beloved a beloved property that gets ruined in a movie. Go you figure. never hear about that. Never, never at hey, all. Martin Freeman. You know, I liked him a lot. I, in I, that. I like Martin Freeman. Period. Yeah, but I liked him. I liked most stuff. Yeah. The only person I really didn't like in that movie was Zoe Dashanel because she was just kind of there. She was. Alan Rickman though was the voice of Marvin. Perfect. That was awesome. Perfect. That was awesome. Yeah. Let's move on, uh, Chris. Uh, final, final entry in Chris's list here is Jim Henson. I now totally I, agree. Yes. Now, I know he passed back in 1990, but how can you not mention the person who was responsible for his many happy childhood TV or movie-watching experiences? He brought us the Muppets that were featured on Sesame Street, The Muppet Show, Fraggle Rock, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, and in movies like The Muppet Movie, Great Muppet Caper, Muppets Take Manhattan, The Dark Crystal, and Labyrinth. When they played Rainbow Connection on the radio the day Jim Henson passed on, I shed a tear. A part of my youth died that day. So, um... Yeah. Thoughts on Jim Henson? Um, I, st- I I I have like uh, the first three seasons of uh, the Muppet Show on DVD. Yep, that's all they've released so far. But yeah, I still watch them to this day because I still get laughs out. Oh, of Oh, they're them. hysterical. They're really good because Jim Henson is one of those guys that really kind of knew the balance between kids and yeah. adults. Oh yeah. What was that? It's called the medium sketch. The medium sketch? Yeah, it wasn't rare, and it certainly wasn't well done. <laughs> Now, I learned a lot about Jim Henson in the last 24 hours. Really? I did. We were watching this thing, um, Kermit the Swamp Years. Oh, okay. We took it out of the library for Scarlett to watch, and it was kind of interesting. And I just I got into the... Um, I went on IMDb, and I looked up the, the uh, information about mm-hmm. Jim Henson. First of all, do you know him and the guy who ended up taking over the voice of Kermit share a birthday? I did not know that. that. Is, I, I was blown away by interesting. that. Interesting. Secondly... 
There, you know why uh, Kermit is the, is the signature character for Henson Productions? No. Has nothing to do with his likability. Has everything to do with the fact it was the lightest puppet he could do. Okay. So it was easy enough for him. It wasn't... Oh, right, because he had to have his hand up his It wasn't ass. overwhelming to right. do any of that. Um, and thirdly, do you know that out of respect for Jim Henson... The character of Rolf, which was his very first, like, characterized puppet, mm-hmm. has not spoken a line since the day Jim Henson died. I have noticed that, yes, because Rolf was always one of my favorites. Yeah, hasn't and... done, hey, they have not, he's not made an appearance. He's made appearances, but he hasn't opened his mouth and spoken. I hope he at least makes appearance in the new Muppet movie that's coming out. Yeah. Um, Chris does mention that he's looking forward to the new Muppet movie and hopes Jason Segel does well with the franchise. I love what I'm seeing so far yeah. for that movie. I cannot wait yeah he i mean he's done he understands what the muppets mean to people and what he needs to do with them absolutely absolutely i am really looking forward to it and i have to admit you know as a parent people are like oh get get ready for elmo you're gonna be sick of elmo i gotta be completely honest with you elmo doesn't drive me as nearly as batshit insane as i thought he would that's because you're a parent me as a (laughs) non-parent exactly he drives me batshit insane (laughs) Um, yeah, no, there are, there are more annoying characters. I actually think, um, oh Christ, who is it? Zoe is more annoying than Elmo is. You see, I had no idea who Zoe was until my sister had to make a cake with ah. Zoe on it. Yep. Um, but I, I like that on, on Sesame Street now, they are highlighting new, kind of newer characters. It's not just Elmo. Mm. Um, see who they have they have abby cadabby which is my daughter's absolute favorite muppet okay um i don't know baby bear telly monster's still around really do you remember telly monster yes i do oh they brought him cookie monster always makes an appearance as oscar great stuff absolute great stuff and uh, of course they are they're also spoofing modern movies and broadway shows oh my god the mad men did you see the one for mad men no i was referring to the one on um spider-man turn off the dark oh that was great <laughs> if you go you can actually go to sesamestreet.org and look at their uh their cut their cl- their quick cuts yeah and yeah they have a great one for uh spider-man yeah. actually what do they call it spider monster yes there was one for spider monster they've done one for mad men true blood Tons really? of stuff. The Mad Men one is hysterical because it's just, these button-down guys in 1950s suits mm-hmm. talking about this this ad campaign for Happy Time Honey. <laughs> and oh, that there's no there's no honey in that jar at all. That makes me sad. I'm a sad man. <laughs> uh, it was great stuff. So um, moving on. Thank you, Chris. By the way, mm-hmm. moving on to our own. Yes. Uh, choices here. The reason why we did the show originally, and we talked about this last time. And the time before that. And the time before that, and the time before that, was that um, Randy Macho Man Savage died suddenly uh, a few weeks. Uh, actually, it's, I think it's been about a month now. About there, yeah. Yeah. The, um, the final uh, final destination death took him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, heart attack, car accident. Yeah. Ugh. All right. We we haven't done a wrestling show in a long time, so I'm, I might I might kind of like rest in the wrestling area for just a little bit, so everyone just uh, indulge me here. It was okay. I was actually listening to the uh, wrestling episode today. I started listening to some of that myself. Yeah. Oh my! Uh, great episode. It is available, by the way, as a retro episode on yes. Podbean.com. So it's check it out. One of our first longer episodes, but it, it it doesn't feel like it. It yeah, it gets better with age. Yes, it, it does. really does. So anyway, Randy Macho Man Savage. When I was a kid. I loved Randy, Randy Macho Man Savage primarily because he was much different than Hulk Hogan. Mm. I always considered Savage to be the anti-Hulk Hogan. 
Which is kind of weird because they worked together for a while. They worked together for a very long time. They had very similar builds. Mm. They kind of looked a little bit alike, you know, with the long hair, facial hair, uh, premature baldness, that kind of thing. Right, yeah. I can see that. But Savage was the devious heel. Hogan was the virtuous baby face. Of course. I'm the tower of power, too sweet to be sour, I'm funky like a monkey, sky's the limit and space is the place. So, naturally, I, I, I gravitate right to Savage. Because you're a heel. Yeah, exactly. Flat, he had the flashier trunks, he had the, uh, the awesome robes, he had Miss Elizabeth, possibly the greatest non-effectual manager ever. <laughs> she didn't do anything, never <laughs> interfered, never did anything, but she was cute to look at. She didn't even bash anybody with a chair? Never. Wow. I know. But she was great because he was super protective of her. Uh, okay. Uh, WrestleMania two. George the Animal Steel fought Randy Savage. It was a terrible match. George the Animal Steel, also known as Tor Johnson. <laughs> it was a terrible match because the entire time Savage just trying to keep uh, Sa- Steel away from, from Miss Elizabeth. Um, in my opinion, the greatest WrestleMania match ever. I know you have disagreed with me on this just based on the on the... Circumstances of the finish. Yeah. WrestleMania three, Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat. Right. In my opine, the greatest wrestling match all my time, all my life. I yeah, I thought it was a good match, but it wasn't my favorite because it ends completely anticlimactically. Yeah, well, I mean, the near fall there was a lot of near falls in that thing. Yeah. And the the, the legend is I guess it's not even legend because it was a uh it, it's it's a, it's proven. They went around to every house show, and they brought the house down with every with every match. But what they did afterwards, they went into the back, and they talked about what was the best thing, what worked in this match. Let's keep that for WrestleMania, and for three months, build this great this great rapport with one another mm-hmm. until they came up with that match. I mean, it was anybody's match to win or lose. Okay, interesting after effect of that match, and this is. Um, I guess it really depends on who you who you trust or who you believe with this. Because it was so good and it overshadowed the main event, which was Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant, which was a really terrible match. Yeah, I remember. Hogan had to Savage push down the card immediately because he was upset that that they over that they overshadowed the great Hulk Hogan. Right, gotcha. And that's always been, you know, the other problem with, with that I had with Randy Savage was that I had. Um, you know, we, we had to hide how much we loved Randy Savage because our friend Matt loved Randy Savage and we could never prove to Matt that he was right about mm. anything. Right. So, you know, it broke my heart to have to root for Hulk Hogan every time. <laughs> uh, moving on to another guy that a lot of people don't talk about anymore. I actually just watched his uh, documentary a couple weeks ago. Okay. Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig. Could you Take it away. All right. <laughs> could very well be one of the greatest wrestlers in history. Um... So he was perfect? He was perfect. And they even said this guy was so good at football, basketball, golf, bowling, darts, you name it. You put it in front of him, he could do it better than anybody you'd ever seen. Uh, except when you put a camera on him because it took like multiple takes because he just got <laughs> nervous. But the guy had the most flawless execution. Everybody he went into, into a match with, he made them look like a million dollars. Nice. Because he would take a ton of beating, but at the same time come out and make 
it's like I said, it made everybody just look awesome. He, he, he knew how to work it. He knew how to work everybody. He died in 2003 suddenly of like a cocaine overdose. Oh. And I was So oh, he wasn't so perfect. Oh, no, no. But I did have the opportunity to see, I think it may have actually been his last match. Really? Um, Raw 2002, in, or at least it was his last televised match. Raw 2002 in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. I saw him wrestle Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, okay. And it wasn't a great match because uh, the NWO would come back to the WWE and destroy Austin's knee with a cinder block. Oh, so, charming. you know, Henning was a was an afterthought. But this guy, Chris Jericho put it this way. Kurt Henning could very well be the greatest wrestler to have never held the world title in the WWE. Right. And I agree with that. Right. Check out his matches. You can you can either rent the uh, Life and Times Mr. Perfect on Netflix or just go to YouTube. I'm sure there's some matches out there. Yeah, I'm sure. Next up on my list of dead wrestlers is Eddie Guerrero. I've never even heard of him. Oh, Eddie Guerrero. He's a more modern Okay. Type of wrestler. When um, let me let me just set the stage. Of what happened? I was driving home from work one night. This was in 2005. Okay. And uh, my friend uh, Duxworth, you know oh, Lex, yeah. Lex, yeah, calls me up, and I'm like, I thought it was something work related because we worked together at the time. I'm like, Hey, Pete, what's going on? And he said, Eddie Guerrero's dead. And I'm like, Shut your fucking mouth. He's like, Yeah, he. They found him dead yesterday. Wow. So I was about five minutes home from from work. I got home, kissed Autumn hello, went right to the computer and confirmed confirmed it. Over the last ten years, or over the ten years before he died, Eddie Guerrero was one of my favorite workers because he had the Latino heat okay. gimmick. So he was a cheat to win, even when he was a face. Uh, always cheat to win. Make gotcha. sure that the ref never sees it. Um... He was just, a face that pulled heel tactics. Exactly, right? but when he was a heel, oh, he was a badass heel. Uh, Mexican wrestler, so all always in the area. That great frog splash. Uh, he actually got the chance to hold the world title. He nice. beat Brock Lesnar, of all people, for the WWE uh, title. And then, in a stroke of Eddie Guerrero genius, WrestleMania 20, which in my opinion, greatest WrestleMania ever, fights Kurt Angle. Okay. The Olympic gold medalist. The guy is a legit gold medalist. Wow. Won a gold medal at the 96 Olympics in Atlanta. Fights him. Uh, he he rolls off to the side because he's hurt. And he do, he's doing something to his to his leg. Uh, then Kurt Angle rolls him back and puts on his signature ankle lock, which is normally it's a game, game finisher. Mm-hmm. And what happens is he's got the ankle lock on. He kind of cranks it back a little bit. Eddie pulls his foot out of his boot and rolls up Angle for the win. <laughs> it, it was just the best way for this guy to win. So was, he pretty much found the only way to beat the, this ankle lock. Yes, exactly. Nice. By, by cheating to of win. Of course, sure. Oh, he was great. Back in the uh, back when he first started in, in, in uh, 2000 with WWF at the time, uh, he, had that, he had a mullet. He was like the only guy who could actually make a mullet look good. And in fact, at some point, he was like, I have a very popular hairstyle. <laughs> he was fantastic. I was devastated when he died because in the grand scheme of things, in the for current wrestlers, he was within my top five. All right. However, number one on my list on that top five died like two years later under less than flattering circumstances. Yeah. Chris Benoit, the Canadian uh, crippler. Um... 
I know a lot of wrestling websites or podcasts have have gone over this before, but for anybody who just knows Chris Benoit's the guy who snapped and killed his wife and kid, mm-hmm. I can't judge him for that. I think you know if if you want to bring the higher power thing in here, God has already judged is, is judging him for that. Right. What I have to look at, I, I'm I have to look at Chris Benoit who left this legacy of fantastic matches. Mm. Every match I have seen with Chris Benoit, with a couple of exceptions due to the other guy, right. have been some of the best matches I have ever watched in my life. When he was with WCW, when he wasn't getting over because people didn't like him because he was too small. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the guy was jacked to the gills. I mean, I was shocked when people were like, he was on steroids? <laughs> really? You didn't know? <laughs> Let me give you an example. If you work out every day and you eat right and do the right things without steroids, you might look as good as Lance Storm. <laughs> Um, look, look him up if you don't know who Landstorm is. I don't. Um, but he was just so good. He had that great flying headbutt. He had that the Crippler crossface, which is such a devastating move. That thing freaking looks like it just killed you. All right. Um, best one of the best matches I ever saw live in my life was in 2002. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry, 2003. It was at the Boston Garden, or actually the TD Bank Garden, or whatever the hell they were calling it at the time. TD Bank um, North. Yeah, Royal um, Royal Rumble. Uh, Chris Benoit versus again Kurt Angle. Okay. These guys had a tough game going because two minutes before that, St- uh, Scott Steiner and Triple H had a match so bad it sucked the air out of the building. Oh. I have never seen a main event match that badly performed in my life. Not live, anyway. Oh, oh no! I've seen I've seen bad matches before, but when you got a guy like Triple H who is a technician, yeah, say what you will about the guy, he is a technician in the ring, and if he wants to make you look good, he'll make you look good. He didn't want to make Scott Steiner look good, okay, and made him lead the match. At this point, Scott Steiner was so bloated with steroids and stuff <laughs> like that. I see Scotty steroid, big sump pump, you name it, you know. Right, gotcha. Uh, did I tell you about? I never told you about the time that we were at another pay per view a couple months later, mm. and at this point, uh, Steiner's jerking the curtain. Okay, and we were so close. We were close enough to the ramp that Scott Steiner's walking down, and I actually shout out, "Hey, Steiner, you suck!" And he turns like he heard me and starts jabbing his finger like he's going like. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I could outrun you. <laughs> I just get a head start like two minutes later, turn around to see him like gripping his, his knees like. <laughs> Give me a minute. <laughs> Stop or my heart will explode. <laughs> um, but getting back to that match with Angle and Benoit, fantastic match. Near falls, near submissions. Both the guys were using sub, uh, submission holds. Mm. So it was just, tap, come on, you motherfucker, tap, tap, tap. Oh, it was awesome. And then WrestleMania 20, after Eddie Guerrero won, Mm -hmm. Chris Benoit wins the World Heavyweight title. Nice. So the two guys that were told they were too small, they were never going to make it, end up in the same ring together. Chris Benoit has just won the title. The Mm -hmm. confetti's dropping from the ceiling. And they just turns around. And what they did with the camera work was fantastic. They pan over. There's Eddie Guerrero with his title over his shoulder smiles. They gave each other a hug and I was in tears. Wow. I was like <laughs> And when I think of Chris Benoit and when I have to think positively of Chris Benoit, that's the moment I think of. That's good. It's always nice to have that 
that positive moment exactly. centered around. Exactly, because even John Wayne Gacy was a cute little baby at some point. Potentially. Potentially, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think we need to move on. Yes. Um, let's go on to some of the entertainers that we've lost. There we uh, go. Mike, why don't you start? Okay, we'll start off with Christopher Reeves. Yes, uh, Superman. Yes. Yes. This was, you know what the, fun, the funny thing was? I mean, for a guy that was breathing out of a tube for ten years, mm-hmm. I was actually shocked that he died. I knew it was coming, but I was kind of shocked that it when it happened. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you know, it's you know the you know what the present is, but you're still a surprise when you open it. Right. It was one one of those moments. Yeah, I was I was really shocked when he. It was just again, it's just one of those things like we. I didn't realize he was really sick, mm. but I guess. Really, I guess sitting in a wheelchair for that long can have some detrimental effects to your health. Right. Um, I mean, Christopher Reeve is always going to be looked at and always going to be compared to others as Superman. Right, and he's always going to be seen as one of the best. No, the best. Well, I certainly hope this little incident hasn't put you offline, miss. Statistically speaking, of course, it's still the safest way to travel. Wait! Who are you? A friend. In my, I, I really think he's gonna. He is your gold standard for your Superman. That's yeah, why. Oh, oh, by that. When yeah. they do, when when they cast Brandon Ralph. They cast because he looked like he him. looked like Christopher Reeve, and Dana Reeve actually had to give permission. Yeah, to who they cast. Right. Um, Henry Cavill has been the same thing, and I don't know if Zack Snyder's going to go that route. Probably not with uh, his, his Superman. Yeah, I, I seriously doubt that he will. But that's um, yeah, it was really sad. Now, can you name a good Christopher Reeve movie that wasn't Superman or Superman Two? Um, I, he did a, he was in a made-for-TV remake of Rear Window. Which wasn't bad. It was actually pretty good. The thing good, is, huh? I love Rear Window. Yeah, and that, I, I that's, do too. That's hallowed ground to me. I do too, but I thought he did, a, he did a good enough job. Did you ever see the movie Death Trap? I did not, no. Um, great movie with Christopher Reeve, Michael Caine, and Diane Cannon. Okay. It's based on a, um, a British murder mystery. All right. uh, where it's just these quirky little murder mysteries where nothing is as it seems. So by the end, of, by by the time the final curtain closes, everybody that you you thought was going to live is dead. Right. It, it was also interesting too because part of the the plot involves um, Christopher Reeve and Michael Caine. You find out they plotted against uh, Michael Caine's wife. Okay. Because they Caine and Reeve were lovers. Oh, it was it was it really caught me off guard. I actually think it was the first time I've ever seen two guys kiss on, on, on camera, which was interesting. Because mm. like, wow, that's Superman and the guy from The Hand. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I didn't get a lot of Chris Reeve movies when I was a, uh, Michael Caine movies when I was a kid, but it is it is definitely worth worth it. Wasn't wasn't he also in Village of the Damned? Yeah, so was Kirstie Alley. <laughs> that's the only other movie I know yep. him from. Okay. He was also in, oh God, I can't remember the name of the movie, but it had Michael Keaton in it and Gina Davis. I got nothing. It was just funny for me because it's like, wow, Batman and Superman are in the same movie <laughs> and nobody said anything about that. Uh, 
I hope it, I hope that that's not the last time that happens, though. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, let, let's move on. Uh, Phil Hartman. Quite right. Yeah. This, I, this was very similar to Chris Benoit, where you want to remember his life and not his death. Well, the thing was, he didn't bring upon his own death. No. No, his wife brought upon his death. Yeah. Um, but this was another one where I was shocked. Yeah. And I didn't believe it the first two times I heard it. Same here. That he was dead. Because I think if I were to rank my favorite SNL stars, Phil Hartman is my favorite. I... I don't know if he's my favorite, but he's up there in the top five. For somebody easily. with as much diversity as this guy could pull off, yeah. where he could play leading men, uh-huh. he could play the older guy, and he was a hell of an impressionist. I don't think oh. a lot of people bring, you know, everyone talks about him as Clinton. Mm-hmm. He was a hell of an impressionist. Frank Sinatra. Frank, he had, in my opinion, the greatest Frank Sinatra impersonation easily. ever. Yeah. And I, I can't remember if we brought this up on an earlier episode about, I, I had read this oral history of Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. And Joe Piscopo was the first guy to really spoof Sinatra. Right, yeah. And he actually got permission from Sinatra to do the impersonation the way Frank wanted him to do it. Hartman didn't have, didn't need to do that. So when he did it, he was boozy, he was a womanizer, he was a racist. It was great. It was a good scene. The the, the Sinatra group. The Sinatra group was fantastic. (laughs) Kojak, you go. Sinead (laughs) O'Connor. And then Stephen Eady, like Stephen Eady yeah. Gorman. <laughs> That's right, Frank. Whatever you say, Frank. Shut up. Don't provoke me, old man. You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. There was also this great one he had um, when Phil Hartman was guest hosting SNL. All right. And it was, uh, oh, God. Um, Molly. Shannon? Molly, thank you. Molly Shannon and Anna Gasteyer mm-hmm. as Debbie Reynolds. And, um, oh shit, I can't remember her name now. And, oh Christ, oh, this is going to kill me. They were the, the these two old Broadway Broadway movie broads. Yeah. And all they're talking, all Frank is talking about is like the time he double teamed them and stuff. <laughs> it was great. Um, Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer, mm-hmm. oh, I yeah. love. Just because it's just so, <laughs> it's so out there. It's such an out there concept. But at the same time, it's very plain. He just admits I'm I'm frightened by your son. <laughs> I mean, it, it got old for me. Uh, yeah. I like the first couple, but then it just got dragged on. Yeah, and let's not forget his work on The Simpsons. Lionel Hutz, attorney Sh- at law. Troy McClure. <laughs> you might remember me from such. <laughs> Do you remember the Planet of the Apes spoof? Oh, I was. I actually had that in my head today while I was driving around. That is brilliant. That yeah. is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> hey, hey, you're familiar with Planet of the Apes? Are you talking the movie or the planet? <laughs> I hate every ape I see From chimpan A to chimpanzee No, you'll never make a monkey out of me Oh, he was fantastic. Uh, and I still I still miss him. And there are times when I cannot, I still to this day, 15 years later, cannot believe he's dead. Yeah. Um, moving on, someone who who I loved and lost last year was Robert Schimmel. He Not was sure who he is. a stand-up comedian, very, very ribald type of, of guy. Okay. He's one of those guys that really didn't care what he said. He didn't care what people thought of what he said. 
And with that, he got banned from pretty much every late-night TV show. Okay. Um, and yeah, I think the joke that he said got banned from Letterman was he was talking about going to the dentist office, and the dentist had him on, on the chair and goes, all right, well, I'm going to put you under. So first, I'm going to give you a little... I'm gonna, you're, in your mouth, you're going to feel a little prick. <laughs> Whoa, Doc. Really, you want to give me a drink before that? My daughter. I put her in parochial school. I'm Jewish and I didn't give a shit. I said, all girls, no boys, gotta wear a uniform. No dances, no dating, no bullshit, just studying. Well, when you sign up at the all-girls school, they uh, forget to tell you that right across the street from the all-girls school is the cock factory outlet. Posing as an all-boys school. Uh, he was just this great guy who always complained about his, you know, how cold his wife was and how his kids, really, he was worried about the way his kids were going to be brought up because the, he was so dirty, but he thinks that he, they could talk to him about anything. Yeah. I, the, the, one of my favorite lines he's talking about is his daughter. It's like, yeah, so she, and you know, I'm just worried that she's going to be talking to me about sex. And if she tells me that she took it in the ass, I'm going to have a heart attack. <laughs> Daddy, I don't like it in the butt. Oh! <laughs> um, yeah, he died in a car accident last year Ouch. with his daughter. Actually, his daughter survived. Oh, that's good. But she, um, yeah, but he was in a coma for like a week, and I was hoping he was going to pull through. Oh. But he was fantastic. Mm. We'll move on to another yeah. comedic actor. Next, we got Leslie Nielsen. Ah, the great one. Yes, I mean, he started off as one of the most serious actors yeah. in B-movie history. Uh, he was in uh, Forbidden Planet. He was in Forbidden Planet. He was in Creepshow. He was. He was in Creepshow. He was in the Poseidon Adventure. Yep. And he was a jerk in a lot of them. He was. But then came 1980. Yeah. And then Airplane came out. I, In my opinion, the funniest movie ever. I would agree with that. I think this movie is the bee's knees in terms of comedy. <laughs> and it, it turned him around from being this stolid, um, serious actor yep. into being one of the greatest deadpan delivery in comedic history. Right, exactly. He had very funny lines, and he said them with absolute conviction. Yeah. I, I just, I love it. And I really, I mean, I love The Naked Gun. Yeah. But for all, the na- for all three of The Naked Gun movies, I loved Airplane more than all three of them combined. I really... I would agree. It's, yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, he's he gets to say, don't call me Shirley. Right. He's the, um, it was, it was that line about, well, there was the thing about. What is it, doctor? What's going on? I'm not sure. I haven't seen anything like this since the Anita Bryant concert. What was it we had for dinner tonight? Well, we had a choice, steak, fish. Yes, yes, I remember I had lasagna. <laughs> and the, the first time you see him. He's, uh, I'm sorry, are you a doctor? Yes, I'm a doctor. He's got a stethoscope coming from his ears. <laughs> this woman's got to be taken to a hospital. A hospital, what is it? It's a big building of patients. But that's not important right now. Oh, oh. That, was, that was great. And we did actually talk about Leslie Nielsen a little bit when he, when he first passed. Yeah. Um, but someone we didn't talk about was his co-star in that movie, Peter Graves, I'm who Peter died Graves. last year. Peter Graves is one of these guys who I'm sure never thought he was funny. Yeah. But everything that came out of his mouth I thought was hysterical, regardless of whether or not he was being serious about it. And I think out of all of the uh, actors on this list that we've got here, he appeared in MST3K the most. I think he did, yeah. It conquered the world. Mm-hmm. Um, now... Parts of the Clonus Horror. Yep. And 
not maybe not many people know this, but he was the voice of the like he was the narrator for the movie clip that they used in Attack of the the Eye Creatures. Oh, Attack of the the Eye Creatures. Yeah, when, when they when they were showing that military secret official movie, <laughs> yeah. where it has like a looked like a bagel witch on a string, <laughs> he was the voice narrating it. Um, yeah. It's, well, first of all, well, let's just move back to airplane real quick. Yeah. He's got some of the creepiest lines in that movie. <laughs> he really, really does. I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I like movies about gladiators. <laughs> I actually was watching that clip the other day. Not so much for him, but for the uh, Cream Elk Jewel Jabbar bit. Yeah. And then that just comes up, and I showed it to my boss, Randy, and he was he was holding my phone, because I was watching on YouTube on my phone, and he was dying. You ever been in a cockpit before? No, sir. I've never been up in a plane before. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? Do you want me to check the weather, Clarence? No, why don't you take care of it? Joey, you ever hang around the gymnasium? You ever wonder why Scraps rubs up and grabs your leg and rubs up and down? <laughs> but then, you know, like, it conquered the world, which I think is the most memorable of his uh, MST yeah. career. And it's mainly, it, it's mainly memorable for one thing. The overuse of the end monologue. Yeah, it's such a such a overblown monologue. To be oh, honest. it's yeah for such a terrible movie where essentially they're being, you know, attacked by a giant vegetable. Yeah, I a think giant it was like pickle. a carrot. It was a pickle or a carrot. It looked like a giant cucumber. To be yeah. honest. Yeah, and then after everything's said and done, he's got the monologue. Yeah, you learned almost too late that. Man is a feeling creature. And because of it, the greatest in the universe. And he learned too late for himself that men have to find their own way to make their own mistakes. There can't be any gift of perfection from outside ourselves. And when men seek such perfection, they find only death, fire, loss, disillusionment. End of everything that's gone forward. Men have always sought an end of toil and misery. It can't be given, it has to be achieved. There is hope. But it has to come from inside. The man himself. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's move on, yes. shall we? Yes. Um, this is mainly for his stuff in the 80s, Michael Jackson. Now, are you talking his stuff in the 80s like bad and thriller, or are you just talking about thriller? Uh, well, I mean, starting off with kind of bad and moving on to All thriller. Right. And, you know, I'm firmly of the belief that, I think I mentioned this before in a previous episode, mm-hmm. but um, when his hair caught on fire... Alien swished him. I, I'm sure about that. They actually had that thing on um, Robot on Chicken. Robot Chicken. Yep. Yeah. Because after that, he became white, he got the weird nose, and he began singing p- pussy songs. Exactly. Oh, my God. I see, the thing is, I I always had uh, respect for Michael Jackson, and we were really talking thriller. Yeah. Because there is nothing forgivable about the song, I Can't Stop Loving You. No. Nothing. No, nothing at all. That actually takes away respect. Yeah. Um, but Thriller, while I never owned it, 
And as a child of the 80s, that is astounding to me. I actually don't even have Thriller. I have the song Thriller yeah. um, on a Halloween mix on my iPod. Yep. I do not have the album Thriller no, anywhere in I. my in my MP3 collection. Um, my sister had the cassette, but she never listened to it. It was like given to her like, oh, all, I think my aunt bought it for like, oh, all the kids are listening to Michael Jackson here. Is that a baby tiger on his leg? <laughs> um, What's kind of sad though is that without Michael Jackson, we would have never had Weedle Yankovic. That's true. Well, we would have had him. Yeah. He just wouldn't have had... He probably wouldn't have had as much as, as many hits. Exactly, as the popularity, yeah. if you will. Um, The Thriller video is, is bar none, one of the greatest videos oh, ever. Oh, yeah. Directed by who? Uh, John Landis. Yes. Yes, exactly. Amazing. John Landis' best work was actually in the time that he was being indicted for murder. <laughs> Think about that, won't you? Okay, done. Yeah, okay. Um, let's move on. To yeah. someone we, uh, so we already talked about uh, when they actually passed away. Irvin Kirshner, yeah. director of possibly the greatest nerd movie ever, The Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll just say, I'll just go out quickly and say that he had such, he, he has such a great regard for that movie. And for, for any of the director for hire, they mm-hmm. could be like really bitter that all they want to talk about is The Empire Strikes Back. What about The Bank Job? I directed The Bank Job. I directed RoboCop too. No. Irvin Kirshner, awesome. Undying, undying always good on that. that undying respect for that movie, which is great. Yeah. He seemed like a great guy. I would have loved to have just, just talked to him for yeah. five minutes. He seemed like a very, very nice, genial guy. Yeah. Um, another, another Star Wars person on there, yeah. Sir Alec Guinness. Yes. Lost him uh, 2000, I think. Yeah, it's been 11 years now. And that was one of those things where I would have arguments with people before he died. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, no, he's dead. He's alive. <laughs> My I, God, what's I, wrong with you? I had the argument with the um, the woman that played the maid for in Brady Bunch. Yeah. Is she dead or alive? Oh, she's alive. Yeah. Yeah, Ambie Davis is alive. I keep thinking And let me throw this little bit of trivia out at you. Still a virgin. Really? Yes, I don't know why. Actually, um, this guy used to work with Pete Callahan told me that. And if I'm going to believe anybody about a pop culture, uh, like a nugget that minute, I'll believe Pete on that. And to be honest, I think your ship has sailed. I'm sure it has. I think. <laughs> yep, just. <laughs> no one's going to be tapping that ass anytime soon. No, not Sam the Butcher because he's dead. Uh, but Alec Guinness, um, what a. What a great body of work. When you really yeah. think about it, yeah, there's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Because there's Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi. But, um... Shakespeare being an actor of un- undoubtable talent. He, well, he was also in um, the la- the original Lady Killers with Peter Sellers. Yeah. You see, Alyssa, we can throw out a uh, Peter Sellers reference for you. Um, Hammer Hammer Horrors with, uh... With, uh, Peter... Uh, Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing, yep. Yep. Um... Well, he was also in Bridge on the River Kwai, which he won an Oscar yep. for. Great movie. Mm-hmm. He was in Lawrence of Arabia. Mm-hmm. Great movie, which I still haven't gotten all the way through. Uh, no. I own it on DVD, and I have no excuse to not watch it, but... Yeah. I don't own it. I've never watched it. I I got excuses. Huh? I yeah, got there excuses. you go. You got plenty of excuses. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just a, just a fantastic actor. and he. But he was one of those guys that was like, oh, God, you're going to talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi again, aren't you? For God's sakes, I was in the movie for 12 minutes. That just shows you what great 12 minutes they were. Actually, okay, let me throw this out here, because I'm, I'm just like the trivia piss dispenser today. All right, go ahead. Um, Alec Guinness, the only actor in any of the Star Wars movies to be nominated for an Oscar as a character from Star Wars. 
I did not realize that. Yes, he was nominated in 1977 for Best Supporting Actor. Wow. Yes. He should have won. How long have you had these droids? About three or four seasons. They're up for sale if you want them. Let me see your identification. You don't need to see his identification. We don't need to see his identification. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. He can go about his business. You can go about your business. Move along. Move along. Move along. Oh, I'm trying to remember who did. Oh, Jason Robards won that year. Actually, did yeah, Jason Robards won that year. And yet, who do we still remember to this day? Alec Guinness. Yes, we do. Anyway, moving on. Yes. <laughs> to another uh, dead Oscar winner. Yes. Heath Ledger. I, All right. I think we talked uh, unended, we, unending, ba- bountifuls. On bountiful. Batman. Yeah. Um, yes, he Batman. was the Joker. He did something nobody dared do. He changed taught Jack Nicholson. He taught Jack Nicholson. He changed what the, we our perception of the Joker. Right. Hands down, I think one of the greatest performances of the decade. Easily. I am going with that. I'm, that's my story. I'm sticking with it. To them, you're just a freak. Like me. They need you right now. But when they don't, they'll cast you out. Like a leper. See, their morals, their code... It's a bad joke. We've dropped at the first sign of trouble. They're only as good as the world allows them to be. I'll show you. When the chips are down, these, uh, these civilized people, they'll eat each other. I mean, you just watch that movie, and he's just insane. Yeah. And I just want to throw this out here, too. I really hated Heath Ledger until this movie. It was not well. I really don't say I hated him. I just didn't like him in anything. The I didn't Patriot. Really, yeah, I didn't really watch anything. Night's Tale. No, I did watch the Patriot. Um, <laughs> it wasn't that great of a movie. Mel Gibson's kids all die in war. Man. The end. Um. Yeah. Let's move on. Last one, Mike. Yeah. Last one. Quick. Quick mention for River Phoenix. Yep, young Indiana Jones, the first young Indiana Jones, and he was also in one of my favorite '90s um, movies, Sneakers. When Mike brought that up to me today before we started recording, I actually was like, really? Sneakers? And he's like, I like sneakers. Like, okay, I just haven't seen it since it came out. And I said, I haven't really seen it since it came out either, but I still remember liking it. Yeah. I got the DVD, I just haven't watched it. I just remember copious amounts of scenery being chewed by Ben Kingsley in that movie. Yeah, but it's, all, it's got Robert Redford, it's got Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. But, yeah, check it out. I'm actually, I should, I, I'm tempted to check it out again. It's a fun movie. Yeah. So, and there's one other, Mike, you wanted to bring up real quick before yes. we move on. Captain Phil Harris from uh, the Discovery Channel show, Deadliest Catch. I'm letting you take this because I've never watched a frame of that show. All right. I'll have to let you borrow some of it. Oh, okay. I mean, Captain Phil was the captain of the Cornelia Marie. Um, These crabs have gas. So you look out, like, you know, when it's flatter out, and you look for little air bubbles. But... You look for air bubbles, and then it starts smelling like and and you know you got on a herd, and they're just farting little machines. We can find those fart bubbles, we got it made. You watch. If there's fart bubbles, there's crabs. He just had this gruff, very gruff exterior, you know. You, d- you did not want to cross him, but 
and he had his he had his two sons on on his boat. They drove him up the wall, but you could tell that he loved them to bits. Um, in fact, in the last and the season before his last one, uh, he actually had a a rough a rough patch where he, um, he actually was was in surgery because a, a blood clot had gone through his through his heart. Uh. And he managed to survive it, but he was in the hospital for quite some time. He was out that season. Then he came back, and uh, he made it through the uh, made it through the season fine. But then he had a massive stroke. Yeah, right on the boat. They airlifted him out. It looked like he was coming back, but then um, as his as his oldest um, yeah his oldest son Josh was driving away from the hospital. Yeah, he got a call. He got called back. Said. Oh, losing your father. Oh and man! I cannot watch that episode without without crying. It's because oh. uh, he's such a great character. And yeah, I, I I miss him a lot. No. Um. Yeah. I. I mean. I. I've heard a lot of good things about the show. It really is just not my cup of tea. Yeah. Honestly, because I'm not a reality show guy. But sure. yeah, I did hear a lot of people who took it very very hard. Yeah. So let's uh, let's lighten the mood a little bit. Okay. By the way, I just want to point out for the first time, if the show sounds a little different, we're actually recording in my basement, uh, primarily because when we record in the summer, upstairs I had to keep the door shut because yeah. it's right across the hall from Scarlett's room, and I'm hoping it's it's about nine oh five right now. That kid better be asleep. <laughs> if you heard a stomping, that was my wife just going to go check <laughs> on her. Um. Yeah, so we're recording in the basement, which is somewhat cooler. Yeah, I like it. Got the cat here, and I do apologize about the smell of cat urine. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. So anyway, um, let's move on to... Stupid! Stupid! All right, folks. Transformers 3, Dark of the Moon is here. Yeah. Um, Today, uh, today is the 30th of of June, Mm -hmm. you need to go to Topless Robot. And you really need to pause right now, go... Read the Transformers 3 FAQ, and then come back to us. We'll wait. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back, yeah. Um, the comparison about Michael Bay's filmmaking uh, creativity is primarily to take keys and dangle them in front of the audience for like 10 minutes at a time. Yep. But in this case... It's dangling for ten minutes at a time, putting him in his pocket, walking away for an hour, and, and then, then the keys explode. <laughs> I mean, no one, can, no one can ever say that Michael Bay was a great director. Was he's still alive? He's going <laughs> to wreak his havoc fifteen more times before he shuffles. Please don't take this fantasy away from me. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm okay. sorry. Um, this. All right. Here's what I've heard about the movie so far from people not as jaded as Rob Brickin from uh, Topless Robot. Right. It is nowhere near as bad as um, Revenge of the Fallen. It couldn't possibly be that bad. But that doesn't make it a good movie. No, no, it was not a good movie. It's from apparently it's not a very good movie at all. It doesn't make a lick of sense, and everything's just completely all over the place with the, it. The biggest, the biggest complaint I've heard about it is that it's long and it's dull. Yeah, um, which, and this is, which is kind of amazing. It's a Michael Bay movie, right? Coming out of the FAQ, um, the first action sequence doesn't happen until an hour into the movie. Yeah. And then they go another, I think, like 50 minutes or so, 
And then the last hour is an action scene. Yeah. It's like one long action scene. But the problem is that's dull because things take 20 minutes to happen at a time. Yeah. So when uh, Robot Centipede or Sandworm or whatever. Yeah, I think whatever it was that thing Sam is. Sam or something <laughs> is attacking Sam and his um, hot piece of ass girlfriend. That takes 20 minutes to do. Robotic Shai Hulud. <laughs> it was just, yeah. Yeah, it, I, I actually... Um, I ventured into the wasteland where the dregs of humanity venture. Oh, Walmart? Yeah. Okay. I ventured into there today. I took a picture of a couple things that, uh, after which I texted uh, Andy and saying, I now have proof that Michael Bay hates humanity. Yes. Yes. Um, first, I took a picture of the toy of Laserbeak. Oh, you know, I loved Laserbeak when I was a kid because yeah. he was a cassette and he'd fold out and he became like this really cool vulture. Love that. He doesn't. No, what the he. What um, are you talking about? Well, his face—it kind of reminds me of those goldfish with really big bulging eyes. Okay, that's kind of what his face looks like. Uh, he's a bird-like thing. Okay, and he transforms into some kind of helicarrier thing with the uh, VTOL. Uh, but uh, go ahead. Oh, but I did hear it. he drools. Oh yes, because Michael Bay doesn't know what a robot is. Yeah, worse than that though. First movie, Megatron turned into a Cybertronian jet. Which is excusable because he was frozen in ice for a million years. I had no problem. Second movie, he turns into some kind of robo- um, robotic tank. I had no problem with that. None. This one, according to the uh, according to the toy I pic- took a picture of, he turns into a friggin' Mack truck. Just like Optimus Prime. Yeah. God help us Michael all. Bay hates humanity, obviously. Yep. And, um... I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm almost gonna quote uh, Rob Brick and verbatim on this. If you're telling us to shut up because it, the cartoon wasn't that good either, they had three hundred million dollars to work with. Yeah, they should be able to afford some modicum of quality. Oh, and um, uh, for, according to the FAQ, um, Optimus lets the Decepticons slaughter thousands upon thousands of the humans and destroy the city of Chicago to teach us all a lesson. Yeah. Dick. <laughs> they were dicks in the second movie, too, though. I yes, remember they that. were. Hey, let's just attack these Decepticons unprovoked. Let's slaughter right. them all. Oh, Jesus. Let's move on to something happy. Trailer yeah. Park. Oh, boy. Yeah, I uh, I told Andy about this one and I said, we're, we're doing this. We're talking about this trailer. Yes, uh, Captain America, the first Avenger. I know this neighborhood. I got beat up in that alley. Just don't know when to give up. I could do this all day. Do you have something against running away? If you start running, they'll never let you stop. You're really gonna do this now? There are men laying down their lives. I got no right to do any less than them. I can offer you a chance. Our goal is to create a new breed of super soldier. When he brought a 90-pound asthmatic onto my army base, I let it slide. I am looking for qualities beyond the physical. You win wars and guts. Grenade! Everybody down! Is this a test? He's still skinny. Whatever happens, stay who you are. Not just a soldier, but a good man. Is it too late to go to the bathroom? (laughs) You actually did it. Who the hell are you? 
the first of many. Hydra is the Nazi deep science division led by Johann Schmidt. He thinks he's a god. He's willing to blow up half the world to prove it. Oh, oh God. I have to change my trousers now. Yeah. I really loved this trailer for a number of things. It didn't... Well, first of all, what I liked was it gives you about a good idea for the first half of the movie. Right. But unlike, say, the latest Planet of the Apes trailer, it doesn't give away the entire movie. (laughs) Um, Right. So you know that Steve Rogers is very, very patriotic. Yep. He's also asthmatic and skinny. Yeah, and he's... He's brave beyond belief. With that great scene. Yes. Where Tommy Lee Jones throws that grenade and he jumps on it. Just to find out it's a dud. Like, he's still skinny. (laughs) Um, It just, it looks awesome. The action looks great. I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment on the costume until I actually see it in true action. It looks good to me. It looks, well, it looks good for a 1940s. Mm. uh, Which is, you know, if that's what they're going for awesome yeah i'm not really digging some of the the photo head shops the the, the photo stuff that they're doing on the dunkin donuts promotion yeah but then again i mean the red have you seen the red white and blue culotta no but i'm kind of interested in the star-shaped donut oh uh, actually uh don who uh hosted our weird al yep. show with us had one of those based on my peer pressure okay because he's like i want two donuts like get the captain america donut <laughs> I just, you get the captain america donut <laughs> So he gets the Captain America donut, and I'm like, okay, how was it? It's like, it's too sweet. It's a chocolate frosted, it's, it's, a, it's a vanilla frosted donut with sprinkles with jelly on the inside. That's a lot of sugar. You know, I really, really want to go get one now. <laughs> I like their filled, I like their filled, the, like filled uh, themed donuts, yeah. so I'm sure I, I would enjoy I'm that. Sure, yeah. I'm just amazed that Dunkin' Donuts... They don't do promotional tie-in at no. all, and they're doing Captain America. I'm kind of surprised that Marvel, you know, because no. Well, here's the thing: I don't think anybody did Thor. No, I can't no, remember I, if anybody took on Thor. I don't remember anything. Um, like that. and then actually, no, I think Pepsi did Thor. Nobody did X Men. No, no. Uh, Subway is doing Green Lantern. That's right. That's right. Yep. With their avocado. Yeah, with their avocado. Yes. All right. Let, let's extol the health benefits of vegetables <laughs> with the fattiest, most caloric-ridden <laughs> vegetable you can find. When you can, when you can squeeze a vegetable and get like oil out of it. Yeah. That's not a low-calorie vegetable. If it's a gar- if it's considered a pasty garnish for nachos, it's not a vegetable. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to this movie. Now, the, the more I see, the more I really want to see yeah. this movie. It was kind of funny, though, because we're watching that, and I'm, like, just, you know, rubbing my nipples watching this thing, and I was watching it with me, and she's like, all right, the costume looks kind of dumb, and the, and the shield looks stupid. And I, like, turned to her, and, like, that shield is iconic! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, how do we make it work? It's just a superior relationship. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Now, here's the thing, and I was talking to you about this. I am going on vacation the day it comes yeah. out. We were, we were planning on going to see it together, and then he's planning on going I, on vacation yeah, I, that I'm day. planning on going. I've got a shit ton of travel i got to do, uh, so we're going to... um going to be seeing this separately. Yes, we will, but we'll, we'll, we will talk about it after we've seen it. Yes, I yes, guarantee we we'll see it before we record again. Yeah. Uh, before we go again, after we record again, whatever. The, the, the whole timeline's <laughs> messing me up here. We'll see it, and then we'll talk about it, and we'll discuss it on a exactly. episode. 
So, let's move on to the salad shills, where, as we are promising to do all summer long, yep. when we see a summer movie together, or even if we don't even see it together, we see a summer movie that we feel we need to talk about, we will be doing it. Yep. This time, we're talking about Green Lantern. Boy. Yep. First of all, I would like to throw out there that Mike and I did have to see it in 3D, mm-hmm. because after 9 o'clock, there were no 2D showings. Right. Um... That was fun with us trying to figure out if the 3D glasses that the theater had were going to fit over our regular glasses. They did. They did amazingly enough. I actually was able to get away with not wearing my regular glasses. Right. I can go short, long, you know, short periods of time without wearing them. Me, I couldn't see squat without <laughs> exactly. These guys, so. All right, Green Lantern. Yeah. Yes, the rumors are true. It was not a good movie. Hmm. It wasn't a great movie. It wasn't a good movie. It was an adequate movie. Let me expound on that, okay? Yeah. Before anyone gets on me, I did not hate this movie. The reason why I didn't hate this movie, they didn't do anything so colossally stupid to make me hate this movie. They didn't turn the villain into a into a, uh, to a, to a big rig. No. They didn't have anything pee on a government official. There were no ball, there were swinging balls in this movie. And they uh, didn't give anyone cat powers. <sighs> yes, I went there. Yes, you did. All right, with that said, let me tell you what I did not like about this movie, starting with Ryan Reynolds. Uh, yep, I knew you were going to go there. Yeah. Um, if it's possible for a performance to completely destroy an entire movie, Ryan Reynolds found the way to do it. Hey, see, I didn't mind him that much. Okay. I did not think he was the perfect role for this. I thought I thought he was the completely wrong role for I, wrong I think, actor for this. I think they could have found someone much much better. Yeah, which um, yeah, he. There were moments when I didn't hate him in the role. All right, I'll give him. That's that's all I'm gonna okay. give him. But I just it, there was a number of different things. First of all, he was kind of a dick throughout the entire movie. He was. Uh, he it was a real coward. He's the most courageous human being on earth. Really? And for about 75% of the movie, he's chicken shit. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and then came the unresolved daddy issues. <laughs> I actually guffawed. Mike can attest this. I guffawed he, at the he movie. He did. Um, first time, first time he's in like this. He's doing the free. He's doing the free fall in his, his plane. He's looking at the picture of his dad, and then they do a flashback to him. His this, dad puts his flight coat on. And, I'll be right back, son. And this guy starts. Oh my god! At the top of his lungs. Oh my god! <laughs> really? I. That's gonna make us like him. Unresolved daddy issues. I thought that whole subplot was completely pointless. I thought the the fact that they even introduced his family was completely pointless because yeah. they showed up in that one scene and they were never even mentioned again. Trying to make him lo- more likable and it didn't work. Right. I thought the special effects for the amount of money that they threw on there and then. Threw nine million more on. This I thought the special effects, for the most part, and I'll get into what I liked in a second. I thought for the for the majority of the special effects that they did, they looked sloppy. Yeah, they didn't look polished. They didn't look clean. They actually, and they didn't look real. No, at all. Um, most honestly, most of the time when um, when they use the Green Lantern powers on Earth, yeah, they looked dumb. Yeah, it didn't really work out. Exactly. Um. But, with that said, here's what I did like. I love the character design and animation for Tomar Ray and Kilowog. Yes. I love the voice acting, which was uh, Jeffrey Rush and Michael Clark Duncan, respectively. Perfect. However, I do have to admit that as much as I liked Mark Strong as Sinestro, he looked really fake, which is sad because that was all makeup. Yeah. 
Um, let's talk about Sinestro for a second. Yeah, um, the ending. Yeah. We're trying to, we're, I'm going to try not to, uh, to spoil anything. Anybody who's a Green Lantern fan knows that Green Lantern's A number one bad guy is Sinestro. Right, he becomes who, the Yellow Lantern. wears the yellow ring. Um, <clears throat> Sinestro, throughout the entire movie, is positioned as being the leader of the Lantern Corps. He's... You know, he mops the floor with Hal Jordan. He is the greatest lantern in the history of Green Lanterns. Except for maybe Evan Soar. Yeah, exactly. But he, he was dead, so whatever. Yeah. He's courageous. He's a great leader. He's very confident in his, in his powers and the powers of the Green Lantern Corps. And out of the blue, after the first series of, of uh, front-end credits, puts the yellow ring on, becomes the bad guy. Hey. I just been I've just been taught that the Green Lanterns can do anything, even beat the power of the Yellow Ring. Let's get the Yellow Ring on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There we go, baby. That's the power. Um. Yeah. No. Maybe it was just because the guy's name is Sinestro, after all. No one actually pointed that out. That your main one of your main heroes has actually got the word sinister in his name. <laughs> um. Secondly, and I I did like this little itty bit when um when Hal shows up as a Green Lantern to Blake Lively. Okay. And she's like, Hal? He's like, how do you know it's me? What, do you think I just because I can't see your cheekbones? I, can't, I don't know who you are. <laughs> that was a good line. That was a good line. Blake Lively, however, not memorable at all. She was attractive, but... She, she was eye candy. The yeah. only reason why she was in there was eye candy. There was a point of, um, about a third of the way into the movie where she shows up at Hal's apartment right after he gets the ring. Right. I honestly thought it was somebody else. Okay. I was like, is that the chick he shacked up with in the, in the beginning of the movie? Oh, is that when they went to the bar? Yeah, that's okay. right before they went to the bar. And then those guys who lost their jobs thanks to Hal, Hal's dickishness. <laughs> We're supposed to be rooting for Hal after that? Really? He sacrifices his partner. He goes into a tailspin. He's the greatest hero right. ever. But if I had to encapsulate the entire movie in one word, it was dull. Yeah. The biggest action sequence is at the very, very end of the movie yeah. and lasts a total of seven minutes. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, the, the Green Lantern effects on Oa were great. They were cool. They were really cool. Green Lantern effects during the end battle were pretty cool. Yeah. That's about it. Yep, yep. So, uh, money well spent, folks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, neither one of us really had to pay full price for the tickets anyway. Exactly. <laughs> God bless you, passes. Um, another thing we have to shill, and this is a, uh, this is actually a Geek Salad shill, a kind yes. of a Mike and Andy shill. Yep. Um, I finally got off my lazy, lazy ass and put together a group page on Facebook. Not just like the original group page where we, all we did was message everybody. Yeah. This is a legitimate, you click like group page that we're going to try to contribute to every day. So um, far, only eight of you have liked it. Come yes, on. Yes, exactly. You have friends. I'm sure you do somewhere. Please, just just beg them. Click the like button. Hack into their thing and click it for them. I don't care. Ooh, that just gives me ideas. Yeah, there you go. Just do it. Um, we're trying uh, right now. I'm, I'm feeling it out a little bit. What I'm trying to do is once a day, and this is probably going to change because I, I really just have already run out of ideas. <laughs> I wanted to do like a daily poll. Right. Um, and we had some pretty decent ones. Some yeah. people really got into, I asked, you know, which which summer blockbuster was going to end up getting the Inception slot at this year's Academy Awards. I voted for Thor. I, um, and I think the winner ended up being Super 8. Yeah. Which is the most logistical yeah, choice. To be honest, yeah. Um, 
I, I did the one today with uh, it, who would be crowned king of the nerds. I and, agreed with you, Nathan yes, Fillion. Yes, Nathan Fillion, because we're the only two that voted on it. Yeah. All right, see what I'm saying here? Um, but, I mean, for uh, for your one, uh, who would be a better Green Lantern than Ryan Reynolds? I brought up a new one. Who do you, you have on that? Lucas Bryant. Really? He's uh, he's an actor in a sci-fi, a sci-fi channel show that I'm really enjoying, Which Haven. Show? Haven, okay. Yeah, he plays uh, the kind of, he's the... Chief's son, mm-hmm. you know, chief of police son, and he has he has this uh, condition where he has no sense of feeling. Huh. He cannot okay. feel feel people touching him, or uh, if you like shoot a bullet to him, doesn't yep. hurt him, doesn't feel him. All right, still hurts him, but yeah. Anyway, anyway, um, what we are going to be looking for for this is obviously we're going to be posting notifications for new shows on there. Yes. We're going to put a couple of polls on there to find out which uh, episodes you want in the archive. I've already put that up. There. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, for, for our Podbean archive, we are it's we're a year in. We're still kind of catching up. We're I mean shit. There are forty seven episodes, seventeen of which were recorded specifically for for Podbean, and a couple of archived episodes here and there. Yeah, I'm also looking for contributors. Um. And obviously, Mike and I have have kind of treated this like kind of like a full time job, right? But we we definitely need some. We can definitely use some more help. And it, I, I we I miss Nick. I yeah, really I miss do. Nick because Nick had a lot of good contributions. Chris is doing a great job right yes. now. Yeah. Um. But what I want to see is I want to see some some of this kind of spread out to that site. Eventually, this is going to. And I'm not promising anything. This is eventually going to move into its own website at some point. Um, I want to test the waters with this first right. before we really go all balls out on, on a real site. Right. Uh, primarily because it's going to be nothing more than a blog page anyway. Yeah. Um, but we're looking for contributors. Uh, if you have anything you want to contribute uh, to the show in terms of current current events uh, through pop culture, uh, past events, retro movie reviews even would be sure. kind of cool, um, nerdy music reviews – Anything like that, I will be more than happy to um, to read them. Mike and I will read them and consider them for that. No offense to those people that don't get stuff. Not right. not everybody can write. Um, but what we'll do is you can email us at geeksalad at yahoo.com with uh, suggestions or submissions for stuff that you want to see on that site. Mm-hmm. Um, once we kind of pick, we'll give you administrator access to that site. Yeah. And you can contribute to Geek Salad as well and be part of the team. Yep. And that way you get more shameless plugs and stuff like that on the show. And also, I have actually made up some uh, Geek Salad um, business, business cards. Business cards, yes, which um, we are trying to distribute wherever we can. I do. I've distributed a few of them. But That's good. I live a very insular life, yeah. so I, uh, <laughs> I don't it, get it out as much. If you would like one or if you know some friends that you think you'd like to hand them out to, let let us know, and yeah. I'll see if I can mail some down to you. Again, geeksalad at yahoo.com, uh, so let us know about that. Also, I just want to talk about the archive. Um, you can go to Podbean, uh, geeksalad.podbean.com and check out older episodes right now. We are trying to get at least one out a month. Yeah. Just due to our bandwidth restrictions, I think we kind of can only do one a month. Pretty much, yeah. So we're going to be polling everybody. We'll see what we're going to do. We're also going to try to fit this in with something else, which right. is usually how we try to pick the archive stuff anyway. Yep. So let us know about that. Also, you can get to us on Twitter at Geek Salad Radio. Yep. Um, lastly, we're coming up. We are two episodes away before episode 50. Mm-hmm. We really want your top 50 superhero movies. 
Top 50 superhero movies? Oh, God, what's wrong with me? Oh, God, Top no. 20. Scratch that. Top 20 superhero movies. There aren't 50 good superhero movies. I don't know if there are 50 superhero movies, period. No, there are. They're just not all very good. <laughs> I actually had a struggle to find 20. In my, off the top of my head, in my mind, I came up with, I think, 18. I've got about 18 or 19. And I'm actually, well, I'm purposely excluding Captain America, because I'm going to hold judgment. I'm I'm looking forward to it enough that I'm putting it in. I'm okay. Putting it in there. Yeah. I just I, want to be fair to myself. I I can't live with the lie if it's not very good. Yeah. I just don't think there's any way it can be bad. So, see, I, I've got that kind of unbli- unbridled optimism. <laughs> exactly. You're a better nerd than I am. Actually, no, I'm a better nerd than you are because I hate things. <laughs> I'm uh, a more optimistic nerd. Okay. They exist. Well, yes. Yeah. I guess so. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, uh, next episode, episode 48, we are going to be talking about possibly one of the greatest uh, situation comedies of all time. Yeah. Arrested Development. Are you a CEO, CFO, or other executive facing these or similar charges? Why should you go to jail for a crime someone else noticed? You don't need double talk. You need blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. No habla espanol. Well, we're not here to talk nonsense to blah, blah, blah. Enough said. Let us know. We want to know what your favorite episodes are. Uh, favorite characters. Uh, we're pretty much... I think we're going to use this mainly as a way to, to um, highlight certain characters with episodes, their best episode that they were associated yes, with. Yes, easily. Um, I will definitely be doing a lot of talking about Motherboy Triple X. I'll be talking a lot about um, uh, Afternoon Delights. <laughs> so, if you have any suggestions, again, you can get to us at geeksalad at yahoo.com. Get to us on our Facebook pages. Uh, we'll also throw something out there on our brand spanking new Facebook group page. Easily, yep. So keep those um, submissions coming. Uh, we really are looking forward to hearing from you. I can't wait to see if we can get this thing off, really off the ground and really improve the Geek Salad brand name. I think we should. I think we should. So until next time, I'm Andy. I'm Mike. Go forward and be nerdful. We will talk to you later. I've heard it too many times to ignore it. It's something that I'm supposed to be Someday we'll find it The rainbow connection The lovers, the dreamers, 